Hello, welcome to the Successful Farming Podcast. I'm Jason Meeker, the host of the show. This is our third show. And on today's show, we're going to be talking to Machinery and Technology Executive Editor for Successful Farming, Dave Moitz. He's also host of Successful Farming on RFD TV, the TV show we we produce here. Um, we're going to talk about, mainly going to talk about used machinery prices, used, uh, used prices on dealer lots, that kind of stuff. But we'll dive into some other topics as well. I'd like to remind you to get involved. We'd love to hear your feedback. You can email the show at podcast at agriculture.com. You can also find previous episodes and more information on this show and other other shows at agriculture.com slash radio. Today's program is brought to you by Acuron Herbicide from Syngenta. To learn more, visit acuron-herbicide.com. While you're there, hear firsthand accounts of how Acuron stopped tough, resistant weeds in their tracks and made sure they never came back in the Acuron Chronicles podcast series. Today on the podcast, we're welcoming Dave Moitz, the Machinery Director, Machinery Technology Director, I believe. Something like your, that. That's your title? Many hats. Many hats. And host of the Machinery Show, or it's not the Machinery Show anymore. No. I'm, I'm still making a mistake. farming I'm show. Hey, we've, we've only been on the air for a month, so we changed the name. This this is the 10th season. 10th season of the TV show. It's now called the Successful Farming Show, if you haven't seen it. Yeah. Um, it's on RFD TV, Thursday nights and Sunday nights. So check it out. Oh, we even a West Coast time. Remember yeah, the yeah, oh, uh, yeah. Fri- uh, f- uh, Thursday, Friday. Thursday night actually. It's Friday morning on the East Coast. That's but right. It's Thursday night. Night in on the, on the West Coast. Yes. Yeah, that was a new addition we got this year. Yeah, it's lots of fun. We uh, we called successful farming because after years of doing the machinery show, we just figured we wore that out. Yeah, it's time time to move to more content, more topics. But if you don't watch uh, RFD TV. Uh, look it up there. Great program. We tour great shops. We give you the latest and advanced technology reports on that. Uh, I do auction reports, used equipment values, the the latest farm invention, inventions mm-hmm. from farmers. And then yep. we all ended around with, the farm. All around the farm. Then we do uh, antique tractor of the week, which yep. is always a gas. Yeah. Sometimes it's a diesel. Sometimes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yes. You lob that one right over the plate. Uh, well, and the other thing we have to celebrate, too, is for the uh, the producer of this, Mr. Uh, Meeker here, is that his team made the playoffs. The Ohio State University is going to play. Yeah. Land grants rule. Come on. Yep. There you go. Although Auburn didn't make it there. The I know. Grant in Alabama. Too bad about that. Unfortunately, <laughs> the wrong Alabama school made it. But what can you do? Anyway, so um, you're, we're just getting ready for the December issue of Successful Farming mm-hmm. Magazine to hit mailboxes. And I wanted to talk to you. It's also coincides with auction, kind of the, the, right. the busy auction time for, for farmers to get get those capital purchases before the end of the calendar year. Yeah. So what are, we, what are we looking at? Well, and they certainly are. Uh, we get a lot of year-end purchases that occur. Uh, December 1st kind of kicks it off, uh, certainly after Thanksgiving. 
And then, even then, uh, after that, we go into what I always call the, the auction season, which is January, February, March. And then it just kind of dies off until summer when it picks up again. But also, uh, the aspect is uh, this year, and the emphasis is certainly on dealer sales, which constitutes the vast majority of used equipment that sells out there. So in the December issue of the magazine, we did something a little bit different, but something I've been covering a lot in our regular coverage. Every issue of the magazine, I we do a section called Machinery Insider, which covers mm-hmm. the latest in used equipment prices, which can both be auction and or it could be dealer prices. We're kind of unique in that way that we cover a lot of dealer prices. The, the, the annual used equipment guide, value guide, what comes out every December, this time look just at dealer asking prices and the trends in that area. And the reason why is because historically there's never been a better time to buy used equipment from dealers. Really? They're just absolutely overburdened with a lot of large late model equipment um, that built up because of huge sales of this equipment in 2011, 12, 13, even going into 14. So the stuff showed up on dealers' lots during trade-in, and in some cases, it's been sitting there for two years. Dealers are wanting to get rid of this stuff, so they've been value pricing it, and then Mm -hmm. the manufacturers have been incentivizing them by giving them um, programs like uh, certified pre-owned, where you get extended warranty uh, coverage, or uh, low or no interest financing, or uh, leasing used. I mean, leasing used equipment's always kind of been around, but rare in agriculture. They, you do it in construction. Okay. But in agriculture, leasing used is just a kind of a rare thing. Well, now it's pretty common. It's targeted all at large late model equipment, however. Mm-hmm. I mean, the what we always call the, it's the big stuff. Uh, actually, to classify that even further, the other historic aspect is so much of this large late model equipment is so low-houred. Yeah. Never, ever seen this before. You can go and find a two- or three-year-old tractor that has 300 hours on it. For gosh sakes, it's not even broken that's, in. Yeah, that's nothing. No, of combines with less than 400 separator hours, 300 separator hours. We, um, I did a story in the October issue where I looked at grain carts, and I was stunned how many brand-new grain carts are being listed as used on dealers' lots that are three, maybe four years old. But they're... They stocked them. They, mm-hmm. They've just been sitting there rusting, and uh, they're just trying to get rid of them. Never, now, so. never used. They're yeah. just a couple of years right. old and just haven't ever seen so, any. Yeah, that's exactly right. We know that grain cart's a good example. Uh, the call falls into that category. Um, self-propelled sprayers, combines, four-wheel drives, high-horsepower uh, tractors. Those are the sweet spot of these high-inventory uh, pieces of equipment. Mm-hmm. Um the value pricing of it is is somewhat dubious. It all depends on the dealer and how yeah. bad they want to get rid of them. But the thing about that's cool these days is you've got websites like John Deere has one called MachineFinder.com. Man, the vast majority of their dealers are involved with that. They list all the equipment. So let's just say for fun you decide to go, uh, I'm going to be looking at an S680 combine. Okay. <clears throat> Or 670, better example, 670s, because there's a lot of those around. And you type in, uh, they got a great filtering mechanism, a search mechanism. You type in, I want John Deere, I want S670, I don't care where it's at, and you get listings of every S670 in the country. 
So you can actually shop geographically. And dealers know each other well enough, and they're trying to trade this stuff, that if you want to get that S670 and through it through your dealership, you can do that too. They'll call. They'll get it shipped in for you. So the Internet has changed. It's been a paradigm shift in, in searching for equipment this it's way. It's really national. It's, it's oh, even yeah. international in, international. Some, in some things. Yeah, it's, so. it's kind of fun to go see European auction prices at RichieBrothers.com, right. RBAuction.com list what a similar tractor in Germany sold for as the United States. But uh, so, you know, you're only, you can find the good deals. And geographically, you could find a combine that's low hour sitting in Colorado. And you say, I want that combine. You pay the mileage over, but it could be well worth the effort that way. Right. Wow. So you talked about, um, talked about combines. What about uh, other, other kinds of machinery? What, well, we in the December issue, if you get a chance to, to read it, I actually kind of focused on um, uh, sprayers uh, for what high horsepower front wheel drive tractors, uh, four wheel drives, and class seven combines. And what I went in there is I picked a particular brand of combine and model. All the models line up. Well, for example, the Case IH seventy two thirty is the same as a, a Lexian seven forty, the same as a Deer S six seventy or the Massey ninety five forty. They're all about the same gotcha. class seven, class eight combines. And so, what I did was spend days, what seems like weeks, months, online downloading, asking dealer asking prices on these machines, and then in the magazine you'll find the price ranges that I was able to establish for a particular year of these combines, and then what the uh, number of hours that they had. And then I also ran the average price. It's a bit of a pricing guide, so that if you are looking for a 7230 axial flow of 7230, you know that the price range on those combines right now, if they're a 2014, is somewhere between $205,000 up to $310,000, and they're selling for anywhere from 150 to 1300 hours on average at dealers' places. It just kind of gave you a rough guide if you're going to be searching for the, the machine that's out there. Kind of a snapshot. Yeah, it's a snapshot. This, this it, season. Yeah. it really comes down to you doing the work when it comes down to walking into your dealership. Mm. I'd I'd hate to have anybody take my numbers walk into a dealership because they're going to be, it depends on the machine itself. Right. You get into the tire kicking stage at that point in time. What, mm-hmm. How was it equipped? Uh, that makes a huge difference on price. Does it have duels? What type of duels does it have? Does it have a rear wheel drive if it's a combine? Does it have an IVT uh, transmission if it's a tractor the, or a CVT transmission? Mm-hmm. All these things influence. And then your dealer's willingness to negotiate. What he's going to throw in in the deal has a huge part of it. I know there's always a suspicion when dealing with dealers, but I can tell you one thing for sure. There has probably been never a better time to buy late model used equipment than now from dealerships. They're trying to move it. This is as good a deal as you're going to get. Right. Um, Compared to buying at an auction, I know that, you know, you buy something that the auction You'll, you're, that's the end of the, that's the end of that's the it. transaction. Right. You're, you're uh, on your own. But yeah, it, and you're right. Dealer, you're buying the goodwill of the dealer. The mm-hmm. fact is he's going to support you and he's going to back up that. He's going to warrant it, warranty it if it gets extended warranty comes with it. I mean, I don't want to say, I never want to pick chives between auction and dealers. But the fact of the matter is that the dealer is your dealer. 
and mm-hmm. he's kind of guarding your back or they're guarding your back. What you buy at auction is what you buy. Once it's off the lot, right. it's yours and depending on what happens. Many dealers are very magnanimous when they start working on auction purchased equipment and that's you got to give them credit for yeah. that. Now, that having said that, you there are a lot of dealers that are disposing of inventories at auction right now. Right. That was the other phenomena, certainly the last year that we've tracked, and that is dealer disposals, hmm. that they're coming from a dealership and they're just trying to move that inventory because these guys are paying millions of dollars in what is called floor plan charges. Mm-hmm. That equipment sitting in the lot, they're paying interest on it. Right. And you can kind of imagine if he's got 10 combines out there, I'd hate to ask what he's paying per month on the interest. So. Yeah. But anyway, you know, they're trying to... Here's the other interesting paradigm shift not to go off on this i do get all all excited i'm just pretty darn sure um and any listener can come back and grab me by the lapels and say you were dumb and wrong a couple years from now i'm pretty sure that right now if you bought some of this equipment um in two years from now you could either trade it in or sell it at auction for about the same as what you paid really? for today. Really? Yeah, that's. Uh, and we've talked. We've kind of talked about this phenomenon before, and we've talked about it on on the Steel Deals segment oh. in the TV show too, right. with with some of the uh, some of the auctions right. auctioneers and, and dealership experts. Right. It's um, that perfect storm. You know, big inventories led to depressed use values, and then nobody bought equipment in later part of 2014, 15, 16. Oh, new equipment sales have been absolutely underground and so what happens it starves the pipeline of used equipment down the line Mm -hmm. so let's say corn starts popping over 450 approaching five and the factories are not all armed to start meeting that demand does this sound familiar this is 2010 11 12 you know guys were waiting in line a year to get a combine so what do you do if you need to have a replacement you go to the used market and guess what there's not a lot of the stuff in the used market and the they're going to pay premium prices for the equipment. This happened in the 1990s with combines. I remember about 95, 96 when this occurred, when we had a lot of lease and roll combines hit the market. And farmers were telling me, hey, yeah, I traded that in two years later and got more money for it than what I paid for it. Yeah. So it's just one of those good deals. Easy to said though uh, to say, but I'm not sitting there uh, having to make ends meet with $3 corn either. So right. I know this is a trouble trouble spot but you know the other option is lease then you don't have the debt of course you have the annual payment Mm -hmm. but at least you make your banker happier without having hard debt in your uh, in your pocket and boy i'll tell you they're willing to do almost anything to get this equipment moved and that includes really reasonable leasing terms to get it out in the countryside instead of sitting on their lots so like i said this is kind of a snapshot in time right now what 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 was the situation 12, 18 months ago? What do you think it's going to be in 6, 9, 12 months oh. from now? Trends as far as machinery prices, both used and or both auction and dealer. Well, and that's kind of the beauty of what we do because of the TV show. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I, David Ekstrom, who helps shoot it, we're out at auctions. So we're just constantly in touch with this. And I'm always on the phone to auctioneers and to dealers trying to figure out what's going on here. We know it's it was far worse a year ago. Inventories were much higher. Mm-hmm. A good example of that was 680, S680 combines or that Class 8 combine. They're, they were uh, 
very reasonable a year ago. They're higher priced now. So we're laundering through this equipment right now. We know we are. We've seen values re respond or return to some pieces of equipment like high horsepower tractors have bound up from a year ago, big combines. Then there's still really good deals, self-propelled sprayers, mm -hmm. ample supply, grain carts, ample supply. Like I say, that Class 7 combine, the S670 combine, 7230 is a, a or the uh, so, yeah, the 7230 case IH, they're in ample supply. So we still have opportunities out there. So that was the past when we had a lot more. The future is we're going to get rid of a lot of this equipment this winter. Dealers have waited, 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 or have been waiting for it to sell, and they're not waiting anymore. They're going to get it off their lots, and they want to get back to selling new machinery. Right. So I know that if you were talking to me a year from now, we're going to see values. All this equipment has gone up. I'll just... Uh, I would maybe grain carts might be an exception. You can never wear out a grain cart, it seems. But um, a lot of the stuff's going to move out. Um, it may depress some equipment that's ten years old, uh, older, smaller pieces of equipment could because now we'll dump that other trade in as it comes in. But I doubt that. I I think we're going to be strong in used values, uh, much stronger in used values than we used to be. Okay. Interesting. Um, otherwise, you know, to highlight other used equipment values, we know that uh, haying equipment's very reasonable now, but that's tied in with the price of cattle. Yeah. Price of cattle yeah. stink, and so nobody's buying haying equipment. Skid steer loaders, which is really uh, in, incumbent upon the construction industry, mm -hmm. took a spike a year ago, and it's now down. If you're looking for, in fact, I'm working on a, a used skid steer, steer analysis for our February issue right now. Uh, forklifts. Rough terrain forklifts are down. Semi-trucks took a tank, too. Although we still know that the pre-tier pre four diesel uh, uh, semi-trucks, mm -hmm. about, what was it? Five? Eight. Eight to nine to okay. ten years old. Those okay. things still bring a premium because nobody want to carry death. But I think that's going to wear off. Uh, but generally, semi-truck values have depressed, too, as well. Uh, grain trailers, on the other hand, the come up semi-grain trailers um, because guys are now hauling their grain further away to try to get a better price. Um, that's kind of the general broad strokes. Of the, also indicates some of the coverage you do in the magazine. We, right. we go beyond just farm There's, machinery. Yeah, a lot of the ancillary equipment. Sure, it's a big deal. Yeah. I want to do something on excavators. I'll probably do that this summer to see what's going on because I've noticed a few excavators showing up. And, what are... Uh, what are what are farmers using exca excavators for? Oh, cleaning out ditches, for doing okay. construction. I mean, uh, some land work that they do, mm -hmm. uh, rooting out trees. In some ways, it can be a toy. In some ways, <laughs> you only have to use it once and it pays for itself right. if you have to hire someone in to come in and do that kind of work. This is what they discovered, let's say, 10, 15 years ago with backhoe loaders. Mm -hmm. Man, you know, uh, you always wanted to have one. They said they never could afford it, and then they bought one, and they don't know how to farm without it because there's always doing something right. or digging something. Certainly, forklifts are now become an indispensable part of a farm operation. Started out as the hard-tired forklift in the shop, and now they're using all-terrain, you know, the rough-terrain mm -hmm. uh, forklifts because now they can run out in the field and pick stuff up or around the farmyard. So these ancillary things are always of interest. Uh, the other thing that was interesting about semi trucks was flatbeds have take have tanked in value too. Yeah. I'm not sure why. Maybe there was a 
a lot of construction flatbeds that just hit the marketplace. Uh, I haven't really had time to analyze what's going on there, but it's a good time if you want to look for a good drop deck trailer, now's the time to go look around and see what they're going for. Today's program is brought to you by Acuron Herbicide from Syngenta. To learn more, visit acuron-herbicide.com. While you're there, hear firsthand accounts of how Acuron stopped tough, resistant weeds in their tracks and made sure they never came back in the Acuron Chronicles podcast series. Now that that's out of the way, um, so going kind of touching on the, the semi-truck thing and, and back to kind of my question about excavators, I, and I don't know if this is a trend or if this is more anecdotal, but I know there are a lot of, a lot of um, farmers that are starting a, or have started side business of driving a truck. Oh, boy. Or I didn't know if maybe a lot of them were doing landscape work where they would need an excavator. If that on occasion, yeah, certainly now more purpose. than when corn was seven dollars, right? They really just didn't need the sideline business. Now trucking's always been a large part of many operations. Um, there's a great many farmers that were trucking because they had smaller farms too. Mm-hmm. There is that side of the business. But even major operations, larger operations, now I have so many trucks in their operations. They've decided, well, in the off-season, and I've got the hired hand there, I'll just put them on the road trucking. Of course, that requires certain things, insurance, bonding, and a CDL license, a commercial driver's license. But also, it's a great way to bring in, you know, like uh, egg and milk money. You know, you're getting a regular right. check. We do know that some trucking firms have gone so far as to actually solicit farmers and want to know when they're available, and they'll take on extra work because they know that they got a, a surge of farmers become available after harvest gets done and before they go in the field planting. So Seasonally, yeah. Right. I think Werner out of Omaha, for example, one of their people told me, yeah, we take on extra work because we know we've got these guys now that are available, and they love farmer truckers. They're very responsible. Uh, that they always get the job done, and I just love working with them because they're so easygoing. Uh, so we know sideline businesses can be spawned from this. You mentioned the excavator, the backhoe loader is another example where a farmer has owned one, so now he's doing some side work. There's always been a percentage of custom farmer operations that have done that, but you got an excavator, you may be the only guy in the neighborhood. What the yeah. heck? Go out, rent yourself out for fifty, seventy-five, hundred dollars an hour and go do that ditch work that needs to be taking place. So mm-hmm. um, it's not a bad way to still to get you to diversify your operation, but by doing something that you know well, which is running machinery. Right. You know, it's not like you're going to take on growing mushrooms, which right. is an entirely different mm-hmm. venture that requires entirely different equipment and different approach to agriculture. Mm-hmm. So... Um, so diversification efforts in that regard are always strong. Besides, some guys just love running equipment. Right. It gives you a great chance to do that. And when there's that overlap, then it's a little easier to, to maybe test the waters in a certain certain Precisely. area, a new venture. Um, we, oh, I know we are down at uh, down in a shop, and you're going back next week to Bobby Huffman's oh, shop in Missouri. Yeah, down in Missouri, he's got a uh, an air conditioning service machine. And I think oh. it's the only was it what I'm trying to remember exactly. It was the only one in the in the area, yeah. and so the the uh, guys in town come bring their cars and trucks and every, anything that's got an air conditioner in it yeah. out to out to Bobby's farm, and he 
he services their air conditioners for them. And well, we know that's been true of the local blacksmith. Well, mm-hmm. what do you call him the blacksmith? The local welder. The guy yeah. that can weld anything. He's always had that business. Yeah. Right? That, uh, that's been there. And that there's a lot of opportunity to be able to diversify in that way. It kind of gets in the way. Of the, the problem with diversify, diversification is it's got to fit your schedule. Right. You can't be available during planting and harvest. Mm-hmm. But if you don't have livestock, you're pretty much available without outside of those two seasons. So you can always establish uh, that as a service. I know a farmer in Minnesota that actually rigged his service truck enhanced it with a lot of welding gear. And that's what he did is he drove around and did welding uh, because he liked to weld and it was made for a nice uh, bit of income when he needed it. Uh, Bobby, in Bobby's case, he uh, bought an air conditioning recharge unit mm-hmm. and they're plug and play these days. So that basically you plug it into the port uh, coming out of your a- your AC system on your tractor or combine or truck and you hit a button and bam, it evacuates the system, recharges, it takes the air out. Um, and so that was a little service that he, he found. He wanted it for his own equipment, and then other guys were coming in, and he yep. was charging for that service. Which brings us to why were we doing that? Why did we feature that piece of equipment? Is that a special feature that we have coming up both in the Machinery at Successful Farming Show and in Successful Farming Magazine, which has nothing to do with used equipment, is we have a special initiative we call the Product Testing, mm-hmm. where we sent out seven products to farmers to test, They've had a year to test them, and now we're reporting on uh, the results of that. So this time around, and now this is going to be a pretty sure this is going to be a regular feature every year in the magazine TV show because it's it's going to be very popular. This time around, I picked seven products that farmers normally wouldn't buy or are not marketed to agriculture. So this air conditioning recharge unit goes to mechanics. Yeah, if you got a farm and you got enough equipment out there. You know what you're paying to have them recharged or reconditioned every right. so many years. It wouldn't take a long time to be able to pay off one of these units. That was the most expensive piece of equipment we evaluated at about $3,500, depending on the unit you bought. Uh, we did a, a portable bandsaw mm-hmm. that the contractor trade uses out of Milwaukee, an uh, infrared thermometer gun, um, uh, which was amazing. The young man in Indiana found many uses for that mm-hmm. beyond just the mechanical a boroscope yep. if you don't know what that is it's a it's a device with a little camera on the end of a cable that you can stick in the engines or wherever and it gives you a crystal clear these days a crystal clear image and color of what you're looking at mm-hmm. um, it, mechanics use them you don't find them a lot of farms but that's why we sent it out but if yeah the, the prices are coming down and and right. they're more accurate yep guys can find a use for it then it makes it, it makes sense right and you're doing more mechanical work on the farm to save some money this is a thing to do uh, another thing that was unique that was designed for the mining and logging industry was an on-site instant hydraulic hose repair kit oh yeah that you got and all you have to use a cutter like a pex cutter literally it's a it's like a scissors cutter that mm-hmm. cut this stuff put the fittings in and that farmer had been using it for a year and a half testing on this equipment he really thought very highly of that yeah no no failures no leaks no <laughs> nothing no yeah. he was very impressed you know you get it with the, the stuff you normally use you have to have a about a $3,500 crimping machine to mm-hmm. be able to do your and then if you know if if you don't have that the dealer's closed you might be hosed on a hydraulic hose for the weekend <laughs> so this is he can do this right in the field he can fix them right there and uh it, and it meant for him i know this spring that he could keep tilling 
on a Sunday or a Saturday when he blew a hose. Uh, a leaf blower. That sounds like a toy. I know. People <laughs> use it around their houses. But they become so powerful now that you could use it to effectively blow out a combine during harvest. They just they put out a hurricane force because they've got these massive batteries and motors on it. And I know I'm leaving some product we tested out there off. But the whole concept was these guys got this product, they tested it, and now we, it's from the farmer's mouth whether they thought it was worth the money or not. Well, they didn't. They actually got to keep the product. Yeah, they got to try it for free. But whether or not they used it, how well it worked, yeah. what they used it for. And whether it was worth the money at mm-hmm. 200 bucks mm-hmm. or you know $3,500 for an air-conditioned recharge unit. So that was the whole concept is, oh, oh, I'm sorry. The other product was a pivot angle magnetic jig for welding. And that was like a, not a cheap product, but it's designed for use by professional welders. And, um, and so it was really kind of cool to be able to get a farmer to use it. And he found out he fell quickly in love with it. Of course, the final question we always got, would you buy it for the amount that it right. sells for? And then that's the true test of whether they would go for something like that or not. This is the first year for that. We're starting on next year's evaluation, sending out products. So, and that'll be on the TV show in the coming weeks and months. Yeah, well, we do so. it both TV and and print and, and online. The magazine. Yep, and the website agriculture.com. All right. Well, um, got a couple more minutes. I wanted to talk a little bit about so the final segment of the TV show can be also the final bit of our uh, oh, of sure. our, our of our podcast here today. Um, Antique tractors. I know that that's kind of a a uh, topic that's uh, grown to be near and dear to your heart. <laughs> um, kind of fell into that one too. Yeah. Actually, uh, I know you were working on the next the the uh, the the new upcoming um, almanac last last week. Was you were oh, working on that? Yeah. So what what are what we are we looking for? We have a separate publication yeah. called the Aegis Iron Almanac on antique tractor collecting. So what do we uh, many hats? What do we have in store for? Ooh. For the almanac, I've the been neck. I've been running a series in the almanac about European made tractors. We oh. did one last issue on Porsches. By the way, the almanac comes out every other month. It's mm-hmm. it, it's a, um, a publication that covers the history of tractor development, how to restore tractors, prices on tra- used tractors. You even got humor in there. Um, so it's a it's a great little publication. Comes out every other month. So uh, the cover story uh, issue before last was on Porsche tractors. I'm doing one on field marshals. This issue that was a, a British tractor. Okay. These are unique tractors you don't normally see. Probably do something on Italian tractors in the next uh, issue of the publication. Does Lamborghini still make tractors? Yeah, they do. Okay. Actually, I I was kind of surprised by that. It's called the Sami Group, S-A-M-E, all capitalized. But Deutz Farr is under that, and Lamborghini. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know a guy in Indiana that actually has a Lamborghini. He's restored. We're going to go interview him next year for the TV show. Yeah, there was a lot of famous cars that, that actually, makers that started out making tractors. Right. Renault, Porsche, and uh, Lamborghini would be three good examples of that. They started out in tractors first, <laughs> and then they went to race cars. Um, so it's been kind of fun. It's a fun publication to do. Uh, certainly it, it provides a lot of practical information. In this issue, we have a story about how to restore tractor cabs. Tractors, antique tractors now, uh, 
collectibles have cabs on them yeah. because they're collecting wow. 1960s and 70s tractors. So now restoring a cab's kind of gotten to be a big deal with these guys. And so we show how you can retrofit the cab and have it looking as good as new. Cool. All right. And then we do values and the other things. And we have something unique that you won't find in any other collector's publication. We've got Roger Welsh, who's a humorist. <laughs> Roger's written a lot of books on this topic of tractors and collecting them. I think it was Love of Tractors and Women or something like that was his first <laughs> yeah. book. And so Roger's always in there. Uh, with his side-splitting humor and his uh, view on the whole topic. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for coming in, oh, recording sure. this on kind of last-minute notice. <laughs> oh, no, I'm always good for that. You know, I can talk antique tractors, used equipment, All right. machinery in general. Great. All right. Thanks, Dave. You bet. Anytime. Well, that was our discussion with Dave Moitz, executive editor of Machinery and Technology for Successful Farming and host of Successful Farming on RFD, RFD TV, also editor of the Ageless Iron Almanac. For more information about any of the things we talked about, look in the show notes on on the webpage um, at agriculture.com slash radio. That's where you can find all the information about this show and other shows. You can also contact us here at the podcast if you email podcast at agriculture.com finally i uh, just like to remind you that today's program is brought to you by acuron herbicide from syngenta to learn more visit acuronherbicide.com while you're there hear first-hand accounts of how acuron stopped tough resistant weeds in their tracks and made sure they never came back in the acuron chronicles podcast series thanks again for listening Make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. We'll have another episode here in a week or so. See you next time.